Come on, let's raise our voice towards heaven. Lord Jesus, we witnessed it. Hallelujah. If you've witnessed the saving power of Jesus, the delivering power of Jesus, if you've witnessed the provision of Jesus, would you give God a shout of praise in the house this evening? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Well, are you ready for church tonight, folks? Praise the Lord as the young people make their way back to their seats. If you are here for the very first time tonight on behalf of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev, our founding pastors, we want to welcome you here to Christian Family Church. Won't you raise your hands in the air right now? Come on, let's do our customary good welcome for all those that are here for the very first time. You are in for a real treat tonight. Hallelujah. Well, before we get into the Word this evening, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow into the vision of Christian Family Church International and touch the world. So I'm going to ask you please to stand once again and help me welcome who's going to be receiving offering tonight, Dr. Stephen Barry, all the way from Jupiter, Florida, USA. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. As we prepare ourselves to give to the Lord tonight, I want to read here from Romans chapter 2 in verse 22, and this is the Passion Translation, and it says, you say, I hate idolatry and false gods, but do you withhold from the true God what is due to Him? Ask your neighbor, do you withhold from the Lord what is due to Him? The Living Bible says it like this. You say, don't pray to idols, and then you make money your God instead. Now, what is it that is due to God that we can withhold from Him? Well, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, You have robbed me of the tithes and offerings that are due to me. Say this, the tithe and the offering is due to God. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 20, says, Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So, what is due to the Lord? The Bible says the tithe and the offering is due to Him. And when we withhold what is due to Him, we make money our God. Now, in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You will either hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot worship the true God while enslaved 
to the God of money. Say, I cannot love God and love money. Now, I never said you can't have money. I said you can't love money and love God. You got to choose. Who are you going to worship? Your giving reveals who is first in your life. In Proverbs eleven twenty four, it says, There is one who withholds more than is due, but it leads to poverty. And there is one who scatters or sows, and it brings increase. The generous will prosper. Now, what I want to encourage you tonight is to put God first, to bring what is due to Him. Now, not only is the tithe due to God, but so is the offering. And someone said to me, well, Steve, what, what is the offering? How do I know what the offering is? Just ask God. He'll tell you. Ask God what He wants you to do. But I want to encourage you this week. I know there's, you know, many offerings. But this week, at least one time, you should ask the Lord what He wants you to do and obey Him. Do something you've never done before. Do something significant. I grew up in Edenvale, my wife and I. I failed Standard 8. I had to repeat Standard 8. And then I dropped out of school in Standard 9. So a genius I was not. But I started coming to this church, and I started to learn how to put God first. And I learned how to honor the Lord and, and tithe and give. And I started doing it. My first job, I worked at the bank, and I was making 450 rand a month. I was 17 years old, and God started blessing me. Within two years, my salary had quadrupled. And back in those days, 2,000 rand a month was a great salary if you're 19 years old. But I want to tell you, as I have put God first and tithed and give, I figured it out. I think I've given personally over 10 million rand to the gospel. That's not our church. That's me personally. And let me tell you, it's not over. I'm believing to give twice, three times, four times, five times as much in the years that are to come. I'm a living testimony that let me tell you, God can do more than you can imagine. Just put Him first. Do not make money a God. Keep God first and honor Him and ask Him this week, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I can promise you right now, whenever God speaks to you about sowing, it's because He wants to bring a harvest in your life. He wants to bless you. And I believe there are some amazing breakthroughs and blessings in your future in Jesus' name. Do you agree with that? Come on, shout out a big amen. Thank you, Dr. Steve. Well, we're going to go ahead and receive the seed and the tithe. Take a look at what Christian Family Church International Bible College is doing around the world. And this, says the Lord, is my hour. This is what our destiny planned before time began. It's my hour, says God, to sweep the nations of the world with a revival 
and I have positioned some of you. I have positioned some of you to be great leaders, to do mighty exploits, and lead in this revival. Rise up now and lay hold of that which I have for you. In 2007, Dr. Theo Bormorant embarked on an extraordinary journey guided by 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, sowing the seed and laying the foundation for an epic legacy that was only the beginning of CFCI Bible College. The first campus emerged as a beacon of faith and knowledge, and 512 students registered for the first year. Just a year later, unwavering dedication bore fruit with three more campuses taking root. The CFCI Bible College family expanded excitingly, including the addition of San Antonio, Texas. And in the heart of the Indian Ocean, Mauritius launched its Bible College, igniting a transformational journey and opening up the curriculum to other languages and cultures. Over the next five years, the CFCI Bible College family blossomed to 19 campuses worldwide, spanning continents and changing lives. Graduates birthed new campuses, making a powerful impact in South Africa. An explosion of 14 Bible colleges and the advanced biblical studies program in 2015 marked a significant milestone to further equip people and have a greater understanding of the fundamentals of doctrine and theology. In 2017, an unexpected door of opportunity opened in Cuba, equipping pastors to become effective crusaders for Christ. challenges, but we adapted swiftly, earning recognition for student support from ACES, one of the world's largest international accreditation agencies. In 2021, two more Bible colleges broke ground, and by 2022, we stood at 111 campuses worldwide with over 30,000 students registered. Fast forward to 2023, and nine more campuses bring our footprint to a staggering 120 worldwide. Join us in this incredible narrative of empowerment, education, and growth. CFCI Bible College, enriching minds, transforming hearts, and growing leaders since 2007. Someone say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are actually pre-registering for 2024. So if you're interested in doing Bible college, I would encourage you to get on, on board and enroll. If you have any queries, the Bible college count will be open after the service tonight. Any Bible college students out there, can you wave at me? Just show, wave at me. You can take a look. It's not a thing. It's a movement. Praise the Lord. Well, this evening, before we get into the word, Apostle Theo is going to be ordaining some folks into the fivefold ministry. So I'm going to ask you, please, if you wouldn't mind standing, and as I call your name out, to come and stand in the front and please face me. Oh, yes. Forgive me. Should have been receiving the offering early on. You can go ahead and receive the offering. Thank you very much. Oh, you're still busy. So I didn't miss it. 
Okay, I didn't miss it. She's still busy. Not you folks to stand. If I could ask the ordination candidates, please to stand and come and stand in the front. Thank you. From CFC Port Elizabeth, teacher Lindy Hurd. From CFC Mbombela, Pastor Mantuli Catherine Scosana. From CFC Mbombela, Pastor Eben Kruger-Smith. From CFC Mbombela, Pastor Martha Smith. From CFC Mbombela, Pastor Nomvula Ntombeni. From CFC Mbombela, Teacher Theodora Duplessis. Then from CFC Brackpan, Teacher Bernadette Bosch. Teacher Andre van Lochenberg. Teacher Jacques Bosch. Teacher Melissa van Lochenberg. Then from Christ Encounter CFC all the way in Longabon, Pastor Shantaine Howell. Pastor Esther Carswell and Pastor Heinrich Howell. Then from CFC Bethlehem, the one year, the one year in South Africa, not the one in Bethlehem, Pastor Sarita Nell, Pastor Philip Nell, and Pastor Dorothy Lepesa. Then from CFC Eslin Park, Pastor Wusu Munzi Nkosi. Pastor Chwene Nkosi. Pastor Ntabiseng Letlalo. Pastor Motlazo Letalo. Is everyone here? Pastor Thiamen invites you to minister to the ordainees. Thank you, Dr. Andre. What honor it is to ordain these wonderful men and women of God into the ministry here today. What a great blessing it is. Anytime you see people stand up and take the challenge, the responsibility, obey the call, the devil gets paranoid, the angels rejoice, and it's such an honor to dedicate and anoint you for this task today. I'm going to read from the first book of Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 1. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a pastor, he desires a good work. A pastor then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he formed the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside lest he fall into the reproach and snare of the devil. And then the first book of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12. <clears throat> and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And that's what's happening right here. He's been faithful. And then I'm going to read from <clears throat> 2 Timothy, chapter 4. And verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word of God. 
be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. It's not just simply teaching. It's convincing, it's exhorting, but there's also some rebuking and correction. That's not the best part. I don't enjoy that, but you've got to do it, right? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own ears or desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So pastors need to do the work of evangelists as well. Win souls. Amen? Well, we're going to lay our hands on you, Pastor Rev and I, this evening, and trust God for an impartation to fulfill the call that's on your life. Whatever it is that you trust in God to do through your ministry, whatever God's laid on your heart, we believe God will equip you now for that task. Amen. God came down and took the anointing from Moses and put it on the elders of Israel. He didn't give them a separate anointing. He gave them the same anointing as on Moses. He came down took the anointing from Moses and put it on the elders. And then Moses laid hands on Joshua and there was an impartation stand there afterwards. And the same thing with Elijah and Elisha, there was an impartation. With Paul and Timothy, there was an impartation. So we believe in that. We believe in that. And the anointing that was on Moses was spread out to the elders because it's God's agenda that must be carried out in the nation of Israel. It's God's agenda. And God's anointing is God's equipping and authority to fulfill that agenda. So it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about God's agenda. And so the anointing that's going to be imparted to you is an anointing that all of us receive to work as a team for God's agenda. And we need the anointing. Without the anointing, we have no authority. Because the anointing is your authority to stand in your office. Amen? So today, you need to use your faith to receive. This is how you're going to do that. You're going to say, when hands are laid on me, I will receive the gifts and anointings I need to carry out this very important call that God has for me. Can you say that with me? Let's do it. When hands are laid on me, I believe I will receive the anointing to carry out and the gifts and the gifts to carry out this very important call on my life in Jesus' name. Now stretch your hands out towards these people and say, I believe that when hands are laid on them, the power of God will fully equip them to do all that God has called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a very serious undertaking 
And when people come to me and say, God's called me to full-time ministry, I try and talk them out of it. When I was younger, I would talk them into it. But nowadays, I don't. Because the responsibility and the day-to-day care never goes away. It doesn't matter where you go on vacation, it's there. Like Paul said, the burden, the care of all the churches is on me daily. And that's what we carry, is that burden of all the churches, Bible schools, and the people. God keeps us in faith and in prayer because the enemy wants to come in all the time and steal and destroy the work of God. And God is going to equip you to stand in office and use your shield of faith to protect God's work. Amen? All right. All right, so Father God, in the name of Jesus, we lay our hands on your servants here tonight. And we thank you, Father, for your anointing upon them, for the impartation that they need to carry out your work, your plan, that it may be fulfilled, and that all of Satan's agenda will be frustrated and neutralized by the power of God that comes on your servants and your handmaidens. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus, receive. In the name of Jesus, receive. In the name of the Lord Jesus, receive right now. Receive right now. Receive right now. In the name of Jesus, receive. In the name of the Lord Jesus, receive. In Jesus' name, receive. In Jesus' name, receive right now. In the name of the Lord, receive. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, receive right now. There it is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you right now. In the name of Jesus, receive right now. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, my Father, for your anointing upon your servants and handmaidens. In the name of Jesus. Just lie there till anointing lifts, okay? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, there's still somebody yes, else. Sir. We can do that up there. There's two other people. Can um, Dr. Andre call them out, please? Yes. On behalf of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev, I'd like to call on two following men of God. This is a very special occasion. Tonight, Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev will be bestowing upon um, Prophet Didier Tesson and Pastor Alfred Mapelele the apostolic credential. So I'm going to ask them, please to make their way up here. I would just like to read the recital that appears on their certificates that summarizes the credentials to receive apostleship in Christian Family Church, and it reads as follows. This credential tonight recognizes both Pastor Alfred Mapalele, or Apostle Alfred Mapalele, and Prophet Didier Tisson as being gifted men given to the church having proven and qualified their divine gifts and calling 
to the ministry of the apostle and having consecrated themselves to a deep personal ongoing relationship with God beginning at the salvation experience according to Acts chapter 9. Living a separate and holy life, divorced from the things of this world according to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Meticulously teaching God's word by building on the already laid foundation of Scripture and to ensure that what they teach is in agreement with the apostles according to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 2. Listening for and to God's voice with an accompanying uncommon grace to obey God's instructions according to Acts chapter 10 and verse 16. With the evidence of operating in signs, wonders, and miracles according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. The pioneering and planting of new churches, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Caring for those church plants born out of their ministry, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. And having lived a life of utmost integrity, being blameless, according to God's requirements in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Having a burden for the whole body of Christ, every lost soul, and not just the local church. The senior pastors of Christian Family Church International tonight, here in South Africa, hereby recognize the divine apostleship to ministry of the gospel and the continued planting of Christian Family Churches around the world. Thank you, Apostle Theo. Um, before I carry on, um, Nikki, have I laid hands on you for the office of the apostle? I have. Is there anybody else that we didn't do that for that's an apostle here, recognized by me? Anybody? Okay. Just checking. All right. Would you find, please face me. The camera's right there. Come here, Ruby. the Lord. Stretch out your hands towards these two men, please, will you? Family of God, say this with me. This is a very, very high office. If we don't do this lightly. We don't do this lightly. Because with this office, not only comes the responsibilities, but comes the attacks of the enemy. So you don't want to take this title if you're not prepared to enter into the battle zone because the enemy will test you. But I know that you will both stand. You'll be successful. And he will not stop you. So we have confidence. We lay hands on you, dear brother. In the name of the Lord Jesus, receive that anointing that office, lands on, lay hands on you, my son, to receive the anointing in that office of the apostle in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Give the Lord some praise in the house, family. Well, how many of you are ready for the word? You ready for the word tonight? Won't you stand to your feet and help me welcome the senior and founding apostle of Christian Family Church International, Apostle Theo Bormerantz.
Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to stand for a moment. We're going to welcome Cape Town and um, San Antonio. San Antonio into the meeting. Now, we know Cape Town have been with us the whole time, so that's exciting. Apostle Allen has given me good reports that they're doing great. They're with us every step. They're with us in the afternoons as well. And um, so that's wonderful. But we're still going to give an official welcome, okay, Apostle Allen? Okay, so you, no, you start, my love. Go ahead. Well, this evening, we want to welcome to Christian Family Church Celebration 2023, San Antonio, Texas. Hallelujah, Texas. Hallelujah, San Antonio. And we want to welcome Cape Town. Hello, Cape Town. This is your night. Glory to God. We love you, family. Praise the Lord. That's so exciting. All right, family, let's remain standing as we open a prayer. We've got a very exciting evening ahead of us. Father, we thank you for the Word of God as I come to teach tonight. I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach, but I am trusting in you, and therefore I know without doubt that you anoint my mind that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within Thank you now for supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe, Father, that your word will be carried from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding, removing all confusion. And that your word will enter every heart under the sound of my voice, bringing faith, dispelling every fear which we give you alone all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So wherever you are, whatever church you are, give the person next to you a great big high five or a hug, and then you can sit down. Praise the Lord. Go ahead. All right, open your Bible, please, to Luke chapter 18 and verse 35. Luke chapter 18 and verse 35. By God's grace, we are well able to take back what Satan has stolen. That's our subject. My message during this celebration is about the grace of God equipping us with all weapons we need to stop the Antichrist and protect our families and ourselves from his plans and advance the kingdom of Christ and stop the kingdom of Satan. Amen? All right, have you found Luke 18? Verse 35. Then it came to pass, or then it happened, as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him, Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. So imagine this now. Here's blind Bartimaeus. The crowds are passing. Jesus is in the front of the crowd. And he says, what's going on here? And they said, Jesus has just gone by. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. Oh, verse 38, right? 
And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Now, it seems strange that Jesus would say, what do you want me to do for you when he can see that he's blind? And you know, I've had that happen. I mean, I've had people come up to me in a wheelchair, and I say, what would you like the Lord to do for you? And they say, well, I've been suffering with these headaches. Could you pray for my headaches? Seriously. So you have to ask. And besides, the Lord's testing his faith, right, to see what he's going to say. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people. When they saw it, gave praise to God. Now, one of the other Gospels talk about this. And they say that blind Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and went up to Jesus. So that coat is significant because... The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the priests, would give those coats to beggars who qualified, and that would allow them to beg legally. Okay? So people knew, this is a man you can give money to. And then when he called to Jesus and he said, come, he threw that jacket away before he was prayed for, which says... I believe I'm going to go back seeing. I won't need that jacket anymore. You got it? And that's why you'll see in that one video, a man had several heart attacks and several strokes, and he couldn't walk properly. He staggered along very slowly with a cane in the healing video. And I took him by the hand. How many of you have seen that one? And I walked with him. And I said to him, now, I didn't know this, but by word of knowledge, the Lord told me that that day, this is Sunday night now, that day in the morning, God spoke to him and told him, tonight I'm going to heal you. Now, I didn't know that. So I'm walking with him, and I said to him, I said, the Lord says that this morning he told you that tonight you're going to be healed, and he didn't, didn't register. So I, the Lord says, tell him again. So I told him the same time. The Lord said tonight, this morning he told you that you're going to be healed, right? The Lord told you. He said, you still didn't register. The Lord says, tell him a third time. So I told him, I said, hey, this morning the Lord told you that you're going to be healed tonight. And he says, yes, that's right. I could see him light up. Faith came. So I said, now we'll throw away your stick. You're not going to need that anymore. He threw away his stick. And immediately... He walked right out of all those strokes and heart attacks, and he was also legally blind. God healed him totally, just walking. The anointing of God healed him. That's on the video. That's how it happened. There was word knowledge, gift of healings, work of miracles, gift of faith, all working together. Now, we have a situation similar here, where Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And I believe it was that man's faith that walked with me that day that healed him. 
the anointing is able to work because you believe. Now, multitudes are suffering today. Oh, verse 43. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So multitudes are suffering today, but they don't know that God is merciful. This man called out for mercy, family, and God healed him. Blind Bartimaeus realized that Jesus was merciful because he had heard that Jesus was healing everybody that came to him wherever he went. He heard that. That's why he was able to say, have mercy on me. He knew Jesus was merciful to everybody because they all got healed. Be merciful to me. So blind Bartimaeus believed that God is loving and merciful. That is why he received his mercy. So that blind Bartimaeus believed that God is loving and merciful. That's why he received mercy. So mercy opened the eyes of a blind man. David knew that God was merciful. That's why he was bold to declare his faith for mercy. For 13 years, King Saul took the army of Israel and hunted David day and night, tracking him wherever he went, the valleys, the hills, caves, the forest, trying to kill David because Saul wanted Jonathan, his son, to be king, not David. And they knew, uh, he knew, they wanted David. So, but God protected David because David trusted in God's mercy. Now, I believe it was Apostle Aruna that spoke about Ziglag today. Did you do that? Was it you? Yeah. Spoke about Ziglag. And we know the story. Now, David had been running from King Saul, and now he's living in the Philistine land, the land of the Philistines, running away from the king. And the king's son arranged for him to live in a little town called Ziglag and have the town. So David and his mighty men lived in Ziglag, a little town in Egypt, I mean in the Philistine country, the Philistines. So um, then uh, they went out raiding with, they went out, his mighty men, with the army of the Philistines. And uh, he was very careful and diplomatic how not to engage with the Israelites because he never wanted to do that. And um, they came home and found out that Ziglag was burned to the ground. And their wives and children were kidnapped, and all their possessions, possessions were taken and stolen. And the people that did this, I believe it was the Moabites that did it, or the Amorites, one of the two, took off with all these possessions and their families and left. And they were ahead a long time, a few days' journey. So now, can you imagine David's condition? Everything is God is gone. The army of Israel want to kill him because Saul's lied to them about him. And 
than his own mighty men that he trained. These people were criminals who were running from the government, and they banded together with him, and he trained them to become honest men of integrity and how to use their weapons. Remember, David at 17 slew Goliath, right? With a sling. So he now knew how to use a sling. And he trained these mighty men. The Bible actually says that they could stand, and at 50 paces, left hand and right hand, they could snap a lady's hair at 50 paces. All these mighty men, every one of them, could hold out a lady's hair, and every one of them would snap that hair 100 times out of 100 at 50 paces away. That's how David trained them, to be mighty warriors. The Bible talks about their accomplishments. Now these same men want to stone David because their families are stolen, their houses are burnt down, all their possessions are gone. Terrible situation to be in where your best friends turn on you, the ones you've helped the most. Isn't that terrible? And you know, all those pastors we are doing here tonight, <laughs> you're going to have that, you're going to find in life, you're going to have some people in the church that you spend so much time helping, and then when they're back on their feet, they're going to say, nice knowing you, see you around, and they're going to go. You just have to bear that and love them on their way. And trust God to bring others to you. But that's going to happen. Hello. Are you out there? <laughs> now we love them all. Praise the Lord. We love them all. Anyway, they wanted to kill David. So what did David do? He threw in a towel, of course. He said, God, that's it. I'm giving up now. This is the last straw that broke the camel's back. I've been running from King Saul from the time I was 17 years old. Now I'm 30 years old. And now my own mighty men that once would die for me want to stone me. That's what he could have said. And that's what the devil wanted. And maybe you feel like that's you right now. Maybe you feel like that's you right now. Well, what did David do? He went aside. And we heard this morning, this afternoon, that he strengthened himself in the Lord. This is what he said. What he said at that very moment of time is written in Psalm 138, verse 7 and verse 8. This is what David said at that moment, kneeling in the ashes of Ziglag. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will preserve me against the anger of my enemies. You will clench your fist against my angry enemies. Your power will save me. Your power will save me. He confessed what God will do in the heat of the battle. At the worst moment of his life, he said, God will rescue me. He didn't say, I'm giving up, God. And then he said, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. Your faithful love, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. God will work out his plan for my life because your faithful love, O God, endures forever. I'm depending on God's faithful love. Therefore, I'm saying, God will work out His plan for my life. Let's say that right now. Say, Father God, 
because of your faithful love, you will work out your plan for my life. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how bad it is. I know you greater, you are bigger, you are more powerful than anything I face. And I declare, Father, in the name of Jesus, you are working out your plan for my life right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. Because His faithful love endures forever. Amen. Let's confess Psalm 23, verse 6, another psalm written by David. So the surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, child of God, none of us are perfect. We'll all make mistakes. Okay? we all be given the righteousness of Christ, Romans 3.22. Just for believing in Jesus, you are declared innocent and righteous. However, all of us live at different standards of holiness. So we all have right standing. That means we can all approach the throne of God without feeling guilty or ashamed. But all of us are growing at different standards of holiness. Now, holiness and righteousness are not the same thing. And it confuses a lot of people. Holiness is your conduct. Righteousness is your legal state of worthiness in God's eyes, paid for by Jesus. But we're all growing in our holiness. That's why the Bible says you are holy and you are, must become holy. Because you've reached a certain level of holiness, but you're still going to grow in more holiness. You see, holiness is to follow um, the behavior of Christ. It's our conduct. Amen? So we're all growing in holiness. So all of us, none of us are perfect in our behavior. But we're all perfect in God's eyes as far as our right standing is concerned. So with that in mind, we all need to grow in holiness in our conduct. We all can improve. No one's perfect except Jesus was. That's why we are able to confess Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because of His mercy and goodness, we can say that. And the more we confess the Word of God, the more we start living in that dimension. The more we see God's help, the more we see God come to our rescue, the better we start living, the more holy we start behaving. Amen? The words of our mouth Enable God to help us do better. Amen? Now, King Jehoshaphat, we also heard about him today. And I believe that was Apostle James who spoke about James Arikian. Did you speak about, where is he sitting? You spoke about Jehoshaphat today? Okay. So, Jehoshaphat was attacked by three kings, outnumbered probably 10, 20 to 1 and um, the prophet of God instructed him and said, stand still and see the battle is the Lord's. This guy, God will fight your battles for you. 
go in and fight the enemy. And he put the musicians and singers in the front of the army as they marched out towards the battlefield. And they were singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Those are the words they were singing. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. So this small army of Judah marching out to probably outnumber 20 to 1, sang all the way to the battlefield. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Family, do we understand how merciful God is? And we've heard how important praise is today. Also, I believe Apostle James spoke about that. So the king instructed his army to declare their faith in God's mercy. They declared their faith in God's mercy as they marched. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They were believing that God is merciful and somehow when they got to the battlefield, God's going to fight for them. That's what they thought. They had no other way of winning this war. That's impossible. So we see then, we know what happened. When they got to the enemy's battlefield, they fought each other, they all were killed, and it took them three or four days to carry back the spoil. That whole army carried back the jewelry, the gold, the silver, back to their homes. Imagine taking four days to carry back the spoil. Imagine that. Four days for a whole army to carry back the silver and the gold. Wouldn't that be a nice problem to have? And um, so God turned a major problem into a major blessing because they praised God for his mercy. Can you see that? So that God turned a major problem, a life and death problem, into a major blessing because they praised God for his mercy. So mercy opened the blind eyes of Bartimaeus. Mercy conquered the enemies of King David. They went after those people, stole all their possessions, got back their families. And actually a few days later, King Saul died, killed by the Philistines, and David was king, sitting on the throne. A few days after confessing that confession, God turned everything around for David. The Lord will work out his plans for my life because he's faithful and he's loving. When he said that in the heat of the battle, a few days later, he's sitting on the throne. After running from King Saul from the age of 17. Now at 30, he's on the throne. So the power of praising God with our mouth, telling God that he's a great, merciful, wonderful God, and praising him for it, can turn your problem around immediately. Like Jehoshaphat, like blind Bartimaeus, like David. The devil will always try and tell you, you don't deserve God's help. I've heard people say so many times when they get a miracle from the Lord, I always thought that God would do it to everybody else, but not for me. And now they stand there healed. Now they're standing there healed. 
and God heals them before I even pray for them most of the time. Apostle um, Alan and I were talking about that last night. So mercy promoted David to the throne. Once we know that God is merciful, we'll find ourselves praising God in the middle of life's most severe challenges. Once we know in our hearts that God is merciful, we'll find ourselves automatically praising God in the heat of the most difficult challenges and battles of life. And God knows how many times that's delivered me and my wife from challenges we face in the ministry. And I believe that that solution to problems works today. If it worked for David and blind Bartimaeus and Jehoshaphat and others, Paul and Silas in the jailhouse, it'll work for us. Amen? And all that was the Old Testament. How much more in the New? So say this, once I know God is merciful, I will find myself praising Him in the middle of life's most severe challenges because I know He is taking care of it because He's merciful. Not because I'm perfect, but because He is merciful. Say that, not because I'm perfect, but because He's merciful. All right, so let's declare our faith in God's mercy. Say that. I believe God is merciful and He keeps me holy. Let's look at that. Romans 8.13. This is the mercy of God. Romans 8.13. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from sin and its evil deeds, you will live. So many folks come to me and say, Apostle Theo, I'm having problems with sin, and I just can't get over it. Well, you're struggling in your own strength. That's why. See, if you'll use faith, you'll overcome, because the mercy of God has provided this opportunity for us, this option. Without faith, you can receive nothing from God, James 1. And without faith, without me, you could do nothing, Jesus said. There's no way we can live a holy life. I think most Christians know they're supposed to live holy. But they struggle and they make mistakes and they fail and then they give up. And because they don't know how to trust God to strengthen them to do that. You see, we need God's strength and ability to do everything, including living holy. That scripture said, if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from sin and its evil deeds, you will live. Not through your own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So say this, I declare, God keeps me holy. He keeps me faithful. He keeps me in His perfect will. I believe it. Because He's merciful. Can you see the difference? You know, um, Pat Barry and I were good friends. That's Steve Barry's um, father. And in the 20th century, back in Germiston, um, this is going back to probably 1981, I'd say, or 80, around there. Uh, he came, he just recently gave his life to the Lord. 
and he used to smoke quite a lot. So he came to me and said, I've been a Christian now for X amount of weeks or months, and I just can't stop smoking. And I've tried and I've tried. I'm just so discouraged. And I've prayed and said, in the name of Jesus, and all that, nothing's worked. So I said to him, Pat, you're trying in your own strength. Let's change this up. Do this. Smoke as much as you want to. Every time you light up a cigarette, just say, I don't like this. I don't want to do it, and I'm not going to do it. And I, Well, actually, just say, I don't smoke. Something like that. I don't smoke. I don't like it. Just say it. I don't smoke, and I don't like it. He said, just say it. I said, that's all. Smoke as much as you want, and every time, as long as you light up the cigarette, you say, I don't smoke, and I don't like it. I don't smoke, and I don't like it. So he says, I must light up a cigarette, and while I'm smoking, I must say, I don't smoke, and I don't like it. <laughs> you got it. I said, that's how you do it. Okay. So off he went. <laughs> About three or four weeks later, he comes back, and he says to me, I don't remember when I stopped smoking, but it's been quite a while. I haven't smoked. I just know what happened. When did I stop? He says, I don't know how it happened, but I'm not smoking anymore. So it worked for him. That scripture works. See, the words of our mouth will enable us to live holy. Without that, you can't. You got it? Stop struggling. Speak the word. Speak the word. For every area of your life, if you're not speaking the word, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Do you understand that, family? You're not going to win. You can do nothing without faith. Nothing. Paul said, I do all things through Christ. All things. Not some things. Not when I need, to ha need his help. He said, I do all things through Christ. Amen. So once we know that God is merciful, we'll be able to stand and praise Him in the middle of our worst challenges of life. Say this, God keeps our thoughts pure. God keeps the motives of my heart pure. God keeps my heart desires pure. God keeps my heart attitude pure. Jesus continually guards me. He continually provides for me. He keeps me healthy. Because God is loving and merciful, I can use the authority of Christ over the devil, over life circumstances. I can use the name of Jesus, the shield of faith, because God is merciful. I can do it confidently. Say so this, the shield of faith will quench Every fiery dart of the devil. The Bible said, above all, take the shield of faith. Above all. That means, according to Ephesians 6, the shield of faith is the most important, valuable weapon of our warfare. The shield of faith. Above all the other weapons, the shield of faith will stop every attack of the devil. So this, there's nothing the devil can do to hurt me if I use my shield of faith. Now, it's wonderful to tell us to do that, but how do we do it? I'm just explaining. We take the Word of God and speak it to the problem. We speak it to the problem. That's how you put up your shield of faith. 
Romans 4, 17, you call those things that be not as though they were. Amen. So you'll speak to your problem. Whatever your circumstances, you'll declare it is what you want it to be. You'll say, this is how it is. They'll tell you this has happened. You say, no, like the woman that we heard about, her son died. And she said it as well. Who said that? Who taught us that one? Who, who, who preached that message here? Pastor, uh, Apostle Peter. It is well. Her son's dead. And Gehazi said, how's it with your son? It is well. Well, her husband says, where are you going? It is well. Her son's dead. She's taking him to see Elisha. So, say this. When I speak to the circumstance and call it what I want it to be, it will change and line up with what I say about it because God's merciful, I have what I say. Amen. Amen. I have what I say. Mark 23, Numbers 14, 28. Just like I've explained this to you, I don't think many of you have air conditionings in your houses, uh, but you probably know how it works, right? You go to the air conditioner and you punch the number in that you want. So if it's 30 degrees, you can punch in 21 degrees or 22 degrees, and the temperature will change to what you punch in on the thermostat. Right? You know about that, right? So, exactly the same way, say this. My circumstances will line up with what I say about them. Just like the thermostat. Praise the Lord. Because God is loving and merciful, I can use my faith, my shield of faith, and stop every attack of the devil. Blind Bartimaeus would have remained blind if he thought he had to earn the right to be healed. If blind Bartimaeus thought he had to earn the right to be healed, he would not have received his sight. Would not have received his sight. We can't come to God wanting to earn anything. We can't earn our salvation. We can't earn healing. We can't earn financial provision. We can't earn anything. It's all a matter of believing by faith and receiving. The gift of God is paid for on the cross. Amen. In the same way, many Christians today have failed to receive help because they thought they had to earn it. Satan is continually, continually trying to get us to depend on our own goodness and our own resources and our own abilities in dealing with life's challenges. I'll say that again. The devil is continually trying to get us to depend on our own goodness, uh, our, our own resources, our own abilities in dealing with life's problems. And that would be like David depending on his sling to defeat Goliath. But David did not depend on his sling to beat Goliath. He said, this day, the Lord will give you into my hand. 
His mouth, his tongue defeated Goliath. And when he let that sling go, the Holy Ghost took that stone and struck the giant on the forehead. Josephus tells us that in that time, they had a visor on their helmet. And when he laughed like that, that visor opened up. And as he brought his head back, that stone hit him before the visor could shut. So David let that stone go at the right moment. So when it got to him, his head came down. The visor was still in the process of falling. And the stone hit his forehead, knocked him unconscious, and David cut his head off. It was the words of David's mouth that took out Goliath. Because God slew Goliath because of David's words. Amen? So this, my giants will fall when I speak to them. Because God will take them out. Amen. Hallelujah. God, the devil doesn't want us to know that God is good. The devil doesn't want us to know that his mercy endures forever. 1 Peter 1.13, rest your hope fully upon the grace that has he brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Rest your hope fully, not partially, upon the grace that he brought to you when you receive the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it's knowing about Jesus and his mercy that brings us the grace that God will work through us and help us in every way. So we are to rest our hope fully upon the grace of God that we receive into our lives when we know what the Word of God says about it. 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace is multiplied to us through the knowledge of Jesus and His merciful, gracious heart. That's why we must teach on the subject of God's mercy, love, and grace. Because when we do, God start, they start believing God's merciful and people can step up and believe Him and walk in the victory that God provides for us. Because without that knowledge, family, many Christians are condemned by the devil and live defeated because the devil keeps telling them you're unworthy, you don't deserve anything, God's mad at you, God's going to get you. It's a big lie from the devil. Your heavenly Father loves you more than you'll ever know. Throughout eternity, you'll still be figuring out how is it possible that He loves you so much. You're still trying to figure that out. The longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I, I have learned. Let me rephrase this. The longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I've come to realize how much God loves us. I thought I understood it when I first got saved and when I was in the ministry. But the longer I've been walking with the Lord, the more I've come to realize how much God loves us. 
when I pray for these people at Comfort Prayer, I can feel the love of God for them. It just overwhelms me. God's loving them. Through me, I can feel, I know, I said I'm praying something, somebody. God loves them so much, it just actually melts me. I just feel God's love for that person so much so, I can't hardly stand it. And when I have that experience, I know God wants to heal them. Right? Why would he do that? Why would he do that if he doesn't want to heal them? Are you tracking me, church? So we need to understand how much God loves us. It could only help us understand that. We must teach on this subject. And there's one little warning I'd like to leave with you before we close. One little warning in all that encouraging teaching. That's James 2 verse 13. For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. There'll be no mercy for, mercy for you if you've not been merciful to others. And you know, family of God, not forgiving somebody is withholding mercy. Hello? Are you out there? So that not forgiving somebody is withholding mercy. So that there's no mercy for me if I'm not merciful to others. And I need mercy. How many of you need mercy? Are we going to be merciful? Are we going to withhold mercy? No. No. I've seen when people attack me, I just show them mercy and love, and I don't attack them back. And you know, God fights our battles for me. He sorts it out. See, the Bible said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. It's not your problem. It's God's problem. Repaying is not your department. It's God's department. Our department is to love our enemies, do good to them that hate us. And that's for our own protection. That's showing mercy, right? Love our enemies, do good to them that hate us. So we do good to somebody that hates us. It sets us free. We don't have to keep forgiving them, keep forgiving them, keep forgiving them. It wears us out. But if you just do good to them, immediately you set free. It's like duck on the water's back when they start being horrible to you. It's just like duck on the water's back. I must be getting drunk up here. <laughs> I should probably end now. So it's like water on a duck's back. I got it right that time. <laughs> yeah, I think I should end if I know it's good for me. So... <clears throat> Let me just say that now tomorrow night, we are going to pray for the sick, right, tomorrow night. Last night, we had amazing miracles here. Jesus did amazing miracles. How many of you here last night? Wasn't that amazing? So we're going to trust God for even greater miracles tomorrow night. Bring 
folks who need prayer, who need a miracle, who need a miracle healing, and those who need deliverance, bring them tomorrow night. And Pastor Bed will be preaching. Now, how many of you were here last night? Wasn't that an amazing message? I mean, I went home and I said, in the car, I said, honey, that was the Dr. Dev show. <laughs> I almost fell off my chair up there. I don't know if you saw that, some of the things she said. And I said to Dr. Johnny, I said, if I said that, we'd have no people left in the church. But <laughs> she gets away with it. So, um, but it was a phenomenal message. And it wasn't the Dr. Dev show, it was the anointing of God on her. Anointing of God. So Friday night is going to be a very special night as well. I'll be teaching, yours truly. We'll be teaching the final part of this series, but also it's party night. It's the close of the celebration, and we have 7,000 balloons going to be put on the ceiling and let down at the end of the meeting. And we have some giant ones, giant balloons. Big, big, big balloons that will be let down, that will bounce. Please don't try and take them home. They won't fit in your car anyhow. <laughs> they're for hitting. That's what they're for. FYI. FYI. Now tomorrow, can I have the agenda please, Dr. Johnny? Oh, San Antonio, Friday night, you can have a balloon drop as well. And Cape Town. All right. They're going to have balloons dropping in Cape Town and San Antonio Friday night. Now, tomorrow afternoon is Dr. Alan Bagg. Or should I say Apostle Alan Bagg? Apostle David Maluzzi. Pastor Warren Graham. And yours truly in the afternoon. I'm going to, in the afternoon, in the afternoon, four o'clock, we're going to have a mighty move of the Spirit here, including prayer and all sorts of things. The Holy Spirit's going to be ministering mightily here in the afternoon. And then in the evening, at seven o'clock, after praise and worship, we pray for the sick. All right? That's in the evening. All right, then in the evening is Pastor Bev. Then on, yes. Then on Friday, Friday afternoon is Dr. Steve Barry. It's Apostle Patrick Maluzzi. Now, remember last year, he won the prize for doing cartwheels on the platform and falling down. Pastor Patrick. That's going to be a hard act to beat. I don't know what he's got for us this year, but he got a little excited last year. And Pastor Shiko Abswami. Pastor Shiko. And then we end off with our last Holy Ghost prayer meeting in the afternoon. And then in the evening I'll be ministering this last part of this message. So that's our Friday and that's our Thursday. We only got two days left. Oh, we got some books to give away. 
here is two books from Apostle Didi Tisson, Importance of Prayer, Creating Your Weight. Who wants this book? This one's a little heavier, so be careful now. Financial, financial alignment according to kingdom rule. Financial alignment according to kingdom rule. Okay. So, Pastor, did you be out there signing books tonight? Now, I have some books as well. Let's have a look. Okay, the Bible with 50 of my sermon notes in it on the right here. Um, give me this mountain about your destiny, laying hold of the plan of God, the destiny for your life. Um, faith for healing, faith to become who God destined you to be. Uh, down here, my new book, The Shield of Faith. Up there, How to Recognize the Voice of God. Who is the Holy Spirit? Jesus brought healing for all. Faith for today. This book, Faith for Today, I want to encourage you to get it. Every day, there's a faith lesson there. Every day. Very encouraging. And then, The Price of a Decision, The Blood Covenant, and How to Pray Correctly. Those books will be out there after church tonight. And um, do you want me to go autograph books tonight? How many wants me to do that? Three people? That's real encouraging. Makes me want to charge out there. I don't know if you all heard me correctly. How many want me to go autograph books tonight? Okay. All right. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many say? Dr. Theo, I want to be sure I go to heaven one day. I don't know if I will. I hope to. While heads are bowed, my eyes are closed. I'm going to ask folks, please don't leave at this time. Because if you get up and go, then somebody doesn't know Jesus might follow you out. And they might end up going to hell and miss the salvation call. So if you just stand still for a moment, you can leave when I'm done with the altar call. If you don't mind. Thank you. All righty then. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus and you want to be sure you're going to heaven one day, you want to be sure that you're forgiven. And you want to be sure that you have peace with God. So if that's who you are and you want that assurance in your heart now, you can receive it. God wants to put that assurance in your heart right there where you're sitting. So when you go home tonight, put your head on your pillow, you'll know I have peace with God. If I should die, I'm going to heaven. What a wonderful, wonderful feeling that is. Amen? So I'm going to pray and God's going to give that assurance to you if you invite Him to speak to you. Because He won't invade your life without invitation because He gave you your own free will, and he needs you to invite him to speak to you. All right? So, I'm going to count to three. If you'll slip your hand up, there'll be an indication 
to God that you invite Him to speak to you tonight when I pray. So if you'll raise your hand, God will see it. And He'll come to you tonight. Now listen carefully here. Jesus died. God the Son died on the cross naked for us. Naked. Not clothes on. Punished for our sins. He was not ashamed because He was driven by His love for you to that cross. It wasn't the nails that kept Him there. It was His love that kept Him there. Now, if He did that for you, the least you can do to show Him I'm bold enough to acknowledge I need your help. Here's my hand. I'm not going to be shy to raise my hand. Are you ready for that? I'm going to count to three. Put it up right now. One, two, three. Thank you. I see hands everywhere raised. Keep those hands raised. Keep them raised. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Keep those hands up in the air. Now, somebody's coming right now to put their hands on your shoulders to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I say this little prayer. They're coming right now to put their hands on your shoulders, let them through the crowd and to the seats. Help them get through. Okay. So, everybody please say this little prayer with me, especially all of you that raise your hands. Everybody say the prayer. You ready? Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart and save my life. Thank you, Jesus. I declare Jesus is the Lord of my life from this moment, and I will live for you, Jesus, with all my heart till I see you face to face on that wonderful day. Praise God for saving me, forgiving me, accepting me to be God's child. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. Praise God. Now, your next, your next step in your new journey with Jesus, your next step in your new journey with Jesus is to go with a person that prayed with you to a prayer room, and you're going to be there just for a moment or two. That's all. They've got something very important to tell you, to share with you to help you understand something about your new journey with Jesus. It's very important. Very important. Okay? You need this. And even if you've done this before, here or somewhere else, today, you're not going to turn back again. You're going to stay focused. You live for God. And you stay on fire. We're going to help you. We, we're in this together. All of us have done what you're about to do, and now it's your turn. So we're so proud of you. You're going to stand up and boldly show everybody you're not ashamed of Jesus. Give a big hand as they stand up and go right now, everybody. Give a big hand as they stand up and go right now. And you in San Antonio and, uh, and all of you in San Antonio, please come to the front right now. Please come to the front right now. Stand here in front of the screen, please, in front of the platform. Come on out. Bring them with you, please. And the same with Cape Town. Bring them front to front. Thank you. All right. Now, we want to say to you, if you don't have a good church, 
We'll love you. We'll look after you. You're welcome to join Christian Family Church, San Antonio, Cape Town, and Jasperic. Praise the Lord. All right, now we're going to ask you please to go with Rudy and Gatua in San Antonio. And I'm handing over to Pastor Nicholas. Thank you. God bless San Antonio. We'll see you soon. Cape Town, we'll see you soon. And Jasperic, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. We love you. Thank you, worship team.